I'm Anwar. And I'm Fairlith. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Discast. Hello, Anwar. Hi, Fairlith. Hi, everybody. Hello, listeners. How are you all doing today? I hope you are all doing well. Uh, welcome to Discast. Welcome to Discast. I just <laughs> blanked there for a second. All right. No, so, it's okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, this episode is going to be interesting. We've got a couple things to talk about. So, before we jump into those, we're going to start with some news. Uh, Fairlith, would you like to start? Yeah, I only have one little thing today, okay. um, but I'm really excited about it. So um, a fact about me is I have always wanted to go to the Blue Bayou restaurant and have never gotten to go uh, because the adults with me weren't interested and didn't know how to make reservations. That's true. Yeah, well, the, um, the res- to, to get into the Blue Bayou is tough. You have to like reserve before you even get to the park. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it someday. It's my dream. My dream is to have like a honeymoon dinner at the Blue Bayou. Like it's been my dream since I was eight and went on Pirates of the Caribbean. So, the Blue Bayou got a liquor license. Yay! Yay! It is officially the <laughs> second place you can drink in Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> and but, yeah. the most, like, central and easy to get to, too. Yeah. I, well, it's technically the third if you want to count Club 33, but... I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we can't get in. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't get in, it doesn't count. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, the other place, of course, being... Um, what was the name? Of, what's the name of the tavern? It's it's in uh, uh, Galaxy's Cantina? Edge. Cantina? Yes, Ogus Cantina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's in uh, Galaxy's Edge. Is the only other place that you can actively drink in either of the parks. So it's true. But that's cool. I didn't. I, when did they do that? Um, I only heard about it on um, the Provost Park Pass YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. I'm subscribed to, like three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched their YouTube vlogs, but they're really, really good. They're well edited. They're really cool. Provost Park Pass on YouTube. I'm not paid. I just watch their videos like all the time. <laughs> Cute. Yeah, well, they're a well, family from Utah. And they go to Disneyland all the time. And oh, uh, they make nice. secrets about the – so they, they go on the rides. Like they pick one and go all day. And they, they tell you all the secrets about the rides and all the Easter eggs and stuff to look up as you go through. Oh, that's very cool. I'm into that. Super cool. Yeah, check it out. I love me some All right, I'll stop talking about no, it. No, that's fine. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, post a link, I'll post a link to their thing in – in the show notes and then tell them you were sent there from Discast, and then i don't know maybe there'll yes, be like please. a weird crossover or something <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> uh so i've got so i've got a few small bits of news and then uh i do have this one major piece of news which just kind of makes me giggle because i thought it was hilarious when i read it okay uh so a man was arrested in disney world and oh uh so here's what happened so he went into the park and of course the park asks for uh they do temperature checks at the gates right yeah uh and this guy decides to just walk right through just completely bypass the temperature check wow and then he and so he gets pulled aside uh in front of i think it was called uh the the boathouse restaurant and so authorities confront him he makes a big stink about it and then is basically arrested and yeah yeah and so he was like going on about how he like he uh, he paid like fifteen thousand dollars for this Disney World vacation and all this other stuff. Uh, he's like, "You guys have no right." And they're like, "Well, technically, you're on private property, and you're te- yeah. you're technically trespassing because you didn't do the temperature check." And so he's yeah. making a huge stink about it. And so he gets arrested and sent to jail. And he's like, "Will you guys take my temperature?" And he's like, "And the and the officer was like, we'll do it. They'll do it. At, they'll do it at the jail." And I was like, "Oh, that's like, wow." Because, yeah, because and it's like it's crazy that he'll like. The funny thing for me was that he claims that he like didn't like notice or he didn't realize that the temperature check was happening. And part of me is like, I don't how how are you you, not in the world? (laughs) How do you skip? How do you skip that? I don't I don't get it. Well, because it's not true. I don't understand. Oh, like, no, he's obviously lying. He's obviously trying to cover his own ass. But it's just it's just very, very silly. It's just it's very, so very silly. silly. Like, why would you get like get yourself sent to Disney jail, get banned? Like, get all, like, why to make a point? Like, now you don't get to go to 
I don't restaurant know. and drink alcohol. I don't know. But the point is, is like, <laughs> is just like it, all of this could have been fine if he had just done the temperature check at the beginning wh- while everybody else was doing it. I mean, like, I don't get it anyway. But yeah. So just follow the rules, people. It's not hard. Follow the rules. <laughs> it's not Even hard. if you don't agree with them, you don't get to make the rules yeah. of a private establishment. It doesn't matter. You don't like you. you yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Someone, how, it doesn't matter how much you pay to get into the place. It's still considered private property, and they yeah, have their somewhat, rules. And they have yeah. the rules that they have established, and you need to you need to follow those rules. I mean, like I'm, I'm fucking sick and tired of this pandemic bullshit too. But mm-hmm. you know, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh anyway. man. So like... yeah. So now he's. So he was. Uh, I think. He, I don't know. I don't. It didn't say how long he was in jail for, but I think at the very least he was gone for the day. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but is it, well, is he is he banned? Did you say that and I missed it? No, I don't think he's banned. He was just gone for the day. So I think he, I, okay. I think he, I don't think he's banned for life. I think he was just banned for the day. Okay. Yeah, because cool. like one of the officials, uh, there's like a, there's like video footage of it and everything. Uh, oh my god! But like, the, do better, dude. Yeah, but like the guy, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, officials basically said like, yeah, like you're gonna have to go for the day. And then he's like, well, why? And they're like, because you're on private property. Because there's like, been a global pandemic for a whole year, dude. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> th- yeah. So that's kind of like the major, major piece of news is because I sat here wow. and I was like, I face palmed. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The next piece of news is uh, they're officially going to start working on the Jungle Cruise rides. So they're officially going to start doing the um, the updates for them. Excuse me. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, they're going to, what they're doing is they're going to, they're going to go with what's called a phased approach. So basically instead of just shutting down the ride altogether, they're going to keep the ride going and they're going to slowly phase it into the new ride. That's yeah. So that's how they're going to do it. Uh, I'm kind of up in the air about it. I'm like, you know what? Why would not just be easier just to shut the ride down. But then I guess the question is how long would it be down for? May I offer you a reason why they might not be? Sure, go for it. Uh, just a speculation. Um, well, their their capacity now is so limited. Think of how many people can be in line for Jungle Cruise and on Jungle Cruise at any given time. And like, it's I think it's probably worth it to them to have people spaced out in the park. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah on a regular day, you can pack everybody in, but. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Okay. It's just yeah. a guess. Yeah, because I think because. From what I understand, the the park itself relies so heavily on these rides being open in order for foot traffic to be as limited as it is, right? Because like the more the more rides you close down, the more congested the actual park becomes, right? Because people yeah. aren't on rides, people aren't in line, right? Exactly. So, so that that does make sense. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when Disneyland especially opens, like it just does not have the open space of Florida. It's mm-hmm. very, it's squishy, but in a nice, cozy way, usually. Yeah. So the, uh, someone named the Zach Ridley, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is, uh, is an Imagineer, shared on his Ooh. Instagram account, uh, a piece of concept art that shows uh, a couple of the chimpanzees, like, fucking around in boxes. It's very cute. Ooh. Uh, but is it Zach with a CK or Zach with an H? Zach with an H. Okay. And Ridley is R-I-D-D-L-E-Y. Um Ooh. And so he posted and he says here, quote, you may start to notice some monkey business along the river <laughs> as work begins on Jungle Cruise at Magic Kingdom. The good monkey news for business. Yes. The good news for all of you visiting at Walt Disney World is the attraction will remain open to guests while our teams update scenes in a phased approach over the next several months. We can't wait to share the enhancements with our guests as we build on the story of the Jungle Cruise at both Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park. So it looks oh. like they're starting with Magic Kingdom. Cool. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I love uh, the little illustration of the chimpanzees. It's pretty cute. I very excited. Yeah. I'm gonna follow him. God. That's very cute. How cool. Yeah. How right? cool. Ah. That is awesome. that's, that's very exciting. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to to think that like the next time I go to the Jungle Cruise, it's gonna be an entirely different ride. Like yeah. th- just that just that concept is kind of mind boggling to me because like the right now the Jungle Cruise is such a is 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 one way in my head. Right. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to go back and be like, oh, this is entirely different. I'm kind yeah. of excited for well, it, the, to be honest. I am, too. I, I love when they plus attractions, um, mm-hmm. depending on how many screens they put in. But <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I really value um, how much professional archival vo- video footage there is of the rides as of the time people got personal cameras like that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, so at least we'll always be able to revisit what it was. Oh, we'll yeah. We'll never not be able to see the whole thing. But I agree with you. It'll be strange. Yeah. And it's not like I'm – and I'm not mad about it either. Like, I'm not mad about them changing the ride because, of course, like, it happens, right? Like, I've – I've, I've, like, the times that I have ridden it, I have looked at it and have been like, this ride really needs an update. Because, like, just the way that the animatronics are, some of them are original. And yeah. some of them are very, very old. <laughs> Yeah. And in comparison to some of the other animatronics that exist within the parks, they're like, even if you compare the animal animatronics from the Jungle Cruise to the animatronics in like Pirates, they're night and day. Like the animatronics in Pirates mm-hmm. are so sophisticated, even though they were constructed in the 1960s. Right. Yeah. And like even just that that 10 year difference between Jungle Cruise and Pirates and Haunted Mansion, you know, because Haunted Mansion yeah. and Pirates opened at the same time or in the same time period. Similar. The animatronic technology is so different, right? Yes. And so, like, it's, but I mean, yeah. I value seeing the old animatronics a lot. I do too. I just think, you know, you don't want something to sit there and not have changed. Like, it's exactly the reason why, like, even in Universal Hollywood, uh when i was there last a few years ago i went to the jurassic park ride again and i looked and i was like oh yeah no this thing hasn't been touched since it's opened yeah. and like the animatronics because and of course the animatronics in universal are, are not nearly as beautiful or sophisticated as the ones in disneyland right yeah. and so you already have that big difference you have that big uh difference in quality and then coupled with the fact that the Jurassic Park ride has been open for like 20 something years, I think 20, 30 years or however long. Yeah. You can really well, they, tell they the revamped it. They did. Like, did you see? They yeah. did. But they again, they put a ton of screens. Yeah. In it. It's really weird. I don't it's, know how I, I feel about it. It is one of the only times um, that I have really disliked a revamp of a ride. Uh, not that I thought the old one didn't need revamping. It's just that I think it is a lazy revamp. Um, yeah. I love yeah. the Jurassic Park ride. Um, and the Jurassic World version, it's oh, – it's, it's – I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really invite you to compare and contrast the two versions on YouTube and uh, tell us what you think or just not yeah. tell us. But, like, go make your own decision. Um it's it's very interesting what they chose to do, and I I think it's a little nonsensical. I agree. Uh, other bits of small little news here, just little bullet points. Uh, a celebration of sisters and siblings through April tenth on the Disney Princess YouTube channel. Uh, Disney Magic Mobile option launches on Apple devices because everyone has Apple. Blah, whatever. <laughs> I just have I I just have a not necessarily a bias, but I'm just not I'm not an Apple person myself. So every, <laughs> everything goes to Apple first, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so it looks well, like a uh, looks like a contactless uh, Walt Disney World park entry kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, some cute little uh, templates for create DIY stuff featuring Mickey and Minnie for springtime uh, outfits. Cool. Um, oh, did you see the YouTube video of Alice and the Hatter planting a Snapdragon? Uh, not them planning a Snapdragon, but, uh, I do know that, uh, Alice and the Manhattan are doing, like, uh, gardening things, and I think it may be part of their YouTube, or part on the, uh, being put on the YouTube channel that they're doing, like, gardening. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that, yeah, so that'd be cute. Uh, new Lego sets featuring Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. which I think is cute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Epcot International Food and Wine Festival begins on July 15th. They've officially announced it. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I wonder how many people will get to go. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I'm a little more hopeful uh, for that just because it is going to be in the summer. And because with the with the way that they're doing all the vaccinations and everything down in the States, I think I have high hopes for it, I think. I think it'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. So our next, our sorry, our first, I guess, major topic is, uh, so because we're into the wartime era, mm-hmm. uh Last week, we talked about how we were going to be watching these cartoons that the Disney company was uh, hired by the government to create and to animate. And so the first cartoon we are doing is called, uh, what was it called again? Defeer's face. face. Defeer's face. Defeer's face, which is a uh, which is a cartoon in which you see donald uh basically working in a nazi work camp it is shocking it is very weird (laughs) 
it is very strange. Now the it's interesting that we're that this this is the first one that we're doing because um this this one is also one of the ones that's constantly kind of being thrown around as a way to kind of sort of uh, justify this this weird or this argument that Walt was inherently a Nazi and anti-Semitic and all this other stuff. And when I when I really think that I don't think people have actually seen this cartoon because yeah the car the watching the cartoon the entire thing is uh is entirely done in in satire and is obviously an attack on the Third Reich and yeah there's no other way to interpret this film yeah like you're watching it and you're like. No, yeah, this is them. This is them totally taking the piss out of everything, because yeah. like you have him, you have him basically. Be, you have Donald basically waking up to the sound of uh, of a Nazi marching band, uh, yeah. and like the members of the marching band are members of the of the opposing forces. So you have uh, someone representing uh, an Italian, uh, uh, because of course the, they were under the rule of Stalin at the time. You have someone representing a Japanese man. Because uh, they were uh, considered enemies of the of of the Allies, and of course, people representing the Germans. So, yeah, and so like they wake they wake Donald up. He has to like every time he sees a picture of Hitler, he has to you know he has to see salute. Kyle. He has to see Kyle. He has to salute the picture of the Führer. Uh, yeah, he goes it is wild. It's so to see weird. Donald Duck, see Kyle, like do a Nazi salute that many times. Yeah. I shocking like i again a positive film but oh my god yeah no that like they did not hold back Mm-mm. like he goes to eat breakfast and all he has to eat is a stale loaf of bread that he has to cut that he has to cut it's a piece wood, off with a saw. isn't it no oh, it's like, a piece it, of bread but it's, it's supposed, supposed to be, to be so okay. stale but it's supposed to be gotcha. so stale that he has to cut it with a saw <laughs> i thought it was just supposed to be a chunk of tree and i was like <laughs> good for you man um that's my bad but and he has um, an aerosol taster of yeah, bacon and of, like, eggs. Yeah, bacon and eggs, which he sprays <laughs> in his mouth. Just a mist and a little coffee bean he dunks into his water like a tea bag. Yeah, on a and, string. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes and then he goes to work at a at a camp or not a camp, sorry, but at a factory that's making shells. And like the whole thing is that like you know uh, the more shells we make for the Fuhrer, the better. And the Fuhrer wants more shells. He needs more shells and all this other stuff. And it's the idea is that you know. They're they're pushing these people because they don't care. All they care about is making more weapons, right? Mm-hmm. There's a sequence in it that like has him be like, uh, as a way to show thanks, the Fuhrer is now allowing you all to go on vacation, and it's like a backdrop <laughs> of the Alps that just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, and then he's like there, and then he like looks at it for five minutes, and then rolls it up, and he's like, and vacation, oh, vacation is over, and it's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- it- this cartoon is wild. <laughs> this cartoon is weird. It is. It is insane. It's got a, a some catchy music in it that you're not going to yes. want to sing yourself, yes. but uh, it's I well actually, written. Hold on a second. I actually have some information about the song. Uh, oh, fantastic. Where is it? Uh, it's very. It, we should also put a clip in here of it if we can. Well, I'll I'll put a link to the actual because the cartoon is available on YouTube. Of course. Yeah, and so I'll put a link to the clip or a, yeah, a link to the cartoon in the show notes is what I'll do. Um, but the song, uh, okay. So before the, before, song, the I th- yeah, the song itself, Defer, I think it's called Defer's Face. Defer's Face and known as informally as the Nazi song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the popular band Spike Jones and his city slickers noted for their parodies of popular songs at the time, uh, released a version of Oliver Wallace's theme song, uh, in September 1942. So like there was like an actual release of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there, but, there are uh, there are a few other versions of this. It is it's worth listening to. It's really hard to talk about this. It's so weird and uncomfortable to watch, but it it's good that it's weird and uncomfortable to watch because well, that was the, the purpose point of it, it is this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, the purpose of the and like the 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 poster of this for the single, the actual single that they released of this song shows a picture of. Like a cart- uh, a caricature of Hitler being hit in the face by a tomato by Donald Duck. Like Donald is throwing mm-hmm. a tomato at his face. It's very yeah. funny. And then at the end, he like wakes up from this fever from this fever dream, uh, like wearing uni- wearing the United States flag uh, pajamas. 
Yeah. And he like looks over and he sees a statue of this, like a little statue of Liberty on his, on yeah. his dress or whatever. And he like hugs it. And he's like, I'm so happy to be a, to be a yeah. citizen of the United States of America. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, this is like textbook propaganda. Like yeah. that's, that's what this is. This is so obviously a propaganda cartoon. Yeah. There is nothing anti-Semitic about the co- the content of the cartoon itself. No. It is, you know, there's a deeper rabbit hole. So I've been doing a lot of research, again, about this rumor that um, Walt Disney was yeah. uh, racist and anti-Semitic. And again, I want to confirm, Walt Disney is culturally racist. But everyone at the time was. It's yeah. bad and negative. But, like, was he pals with Hitler? It seems like he was not. It seems to me. So what I've been doing, I've been reading all, all week uh, about it. And I think one of the important understandings of Walt Disney is that he was very politically obtuse. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a gifted man who I will guarantee you was neurodivergent. I will guarantee you he was because his level of obsession with his work and a lack of general political knowledge just indicates to me a person with a an obsession and special interest. Mm. But regardless, um, he was so obsessed and highly focused on the Disney studios and films and eventually Disneyland, especially Disneyland. Mm. Um, he wasn't running the businesses. He was he was making art in a in a privileged way. Um, so uh, apparently, uh, when Fantasia was uh, being made Made. walt was so (laughs) fixated on designing and building the new studio that when one employee asked how the war would shake things up at disney studios walt said what war yeah that sounds about right so from the reading i've been doing is this obtuseness um it's negative no one should be proud of being politically obtuse because then he aligned himself with people that have given him a bad reputation that has lasted decades beyond his death. So I think the lesson here is there is no excuse for political obtuseness and it is yeah. a bad thing to be. <laughs> yeah. And like I think it, the only real things that we knew about him was that uh, he was a Republican at the time, uh, I believe. Uh, but I think. At but he's that, a capitalist. But I think because like at that time, the Republican Party was swapped. So like. Because at at one point, oh. at one point, the Republican Party was equal to the Democratic Party and vice versa. I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that as well. It's hard. We're but, both Canadian, but yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember when the, when the switch happened. Let's find right. out. Because like one of the big things that Republicans like to say is that like, oh, we are the party of Abraham Lincoln, and it's like actually you're like, not. Okay. You're actually not <laughs> because Lincoln may have been a Republican, but the views of the Republican Party in the time of Abraham Lincoln were more aligned with the views of the Democratic Party today. Mm-hmm. And so, the yeah. yeah, so at one point, the party is just like switched uh, views or ideals or what, however you want to put it. But I'm, pr- but I, I'm pretty sure he leaned Republican. He was a cap, he was a capitalist. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. And I, uh, in terms of political leanings, the biggest thing was that he was just super anti-communist. Yeah. He was like staunchly anti-communist. But, I mean, everyone at that time was a yeah. communist. Um, it says here that sometime between the 1860s and 1936, uh, the Democratic Party of small government became the party of big government, and the Republican Party of big government became rhetorically committed to curbing federal power. I don't know when it switched back, but that is when um, – so, yeah, if he was a Republican, he was uh, essentially a Democrat. Mm-hmm. But it, it's weird because, like, Walt's – and like I feel like I can relate to this as a, as a as a creator who depends on large uh, groups of people. Uh, yeah. I'm in theater. Uh, his whole thing, according to the reading I've been doing, is was that like he was making something special and wonderful, and that should be reward enough in itself. So he took the unionizing very personally. Yeah. Um. So I think it seems to me that it was more about like him his feelings being hurt than not really believing in unionization it's that he was more about art which is just also not a realistic way to be yeah because like one of the big things that like he that was a big hit against him was him pulling all of his animators into like a theater and this is like at like the height of like uh of the union fear for him uh he like pulled everyone into the theater and he was basically like saying things like uh uh like um you should all just kind of be glad that you're working here kind of thing stuff like that i can't remember exactly what it was but like there was yeah like there was there was a whole speech that he made about it 
anyway, I can't I can't find it in my notes, but I know that there's like a, I think the speech the speech itself was like recorded because I think they uh, I don't know if they recorded the actual audio of it, but I think enough people kind of came forward being like this is basically what he said that there was like uh, there's there's record of what he said, but it was along the lines of like you should all just basically be happy that you're working here kind of thing. Yeah. Well, exactly. And that yeah. was the whole attitude. And it, I understand that attitude, like in my heart and soul, but it doesn't make it right. And no. it, it really doesn't make it right when you have as much like that much money and power to throw around. Like it's one yeah. thing when you're like, a, like 15 people trying to put on a play in a church basement, like, but hmm. yeah, so yeah. yeah, I'm super against it. But I think Waltz was just unwilling not to be whimsical. And that really hurt him. Yeah. And yeah, and so I think uh, that was also partly why he kind of jumped on or well, I mean, like, it's hard to say no when the government is literally being like, I need you to make propaganda cartoons. Right. And I think yeah. because they were suffering so much financially, I I feel like they just had no, no choice. But I also mm-hmm. want to think that, you know, Walt was enough of he had enough common sense to be like, oh, yeah, no, what's what's happening with Germany is just not right. You know, yeah. At yeah, the very least, because it, it'd, be, it'd be hard to look at look at what was happening at the time and being like, oh, yeah, you know, and just to dismiss but, it. Yeah, I think we can pretty safely conclude that Walt Disney was not pals with Hitler. At least, no, we can we definitely can say yes. We can definitely say that with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes. uh, De face it uh, very infamous. Like, definitely watch it. It's yeah. it is shocking and weird and and hard to watch, but like, awesome job then. Yeah. Disney Company. Yeah. And the next week we'll touch on the next on the the next cartoon after that, which I think was called um uh the uh the birth of a the birth of a Nazi, I think. Oh my god. Something like that. Yeah, I know. The the titles of these cartoons do not fuck around. Yeah, like, they do not they hold do back. Not hold oh back. my god. Yeah. Well well so <gasps> we'll we'll get to that next week. But for now we're gonna head into the next wartime era film. Uh, which was Ugh. kind of a personal favorite. Or I'm not going to say personal favorite of mine, but it, it, I vibe with it hard. Uh, which is the, I vibed with it. Which is The Three Caballeros. Uh, you say it so beautifully. I, I really try. But like my, <laughs> oh, I feel like I sound more Scottish, but I'm trying. <laughs> Caballeros. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so this film, this film is very, very strange. It's a very weird movie. Partly because it's very experimental. It's very experimental. It's it's very weird in that you don't really get into the, like the actual uh, crux of the film until like half an hour in, because mm-hmm. like the the first uh, you basically start off with. So the film centers itself around uh, D- uh, Donald is getting uh, a birthday present. So we find out his birthday is is in fact Friday the thirteenth. Well, yeah, but we don't know his- like. I researched it. Oh, you I know did. what month? March 13th is Donald Duck's birthday. There you go. This year, it happened to fall on a Friday. Oh, well, there you go. So, well, not this year, 2021, but I mean this year within the world of the film. Oh, I see what you mean. Gotcha. Friday the 13th. Sorry, go ahead. Hey, well, there you go. Uh, well, happy belated birthday, Donald. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, he gets a he gets a great big present uh, and inside are smaller presents. The first gift he gets is kind of like a it's almost like a national geographic cartoon because it's very weird this yeah because like it talks it just kind of talks about birds for a while yeah and it, it brings us a little cartoon excuse me it brings us a cartoon of pablo the penguin who his whole thing is that he wants to go somewhere warm and I think it's a very, very cute little film, is or sorry, cartoon, uh, in which it's just basically Pablo who cuts a piece of ice that's around his igloo and sails northward. Yeah, well, I relate to Pablo a lot. I don't like being cold either. Yeah. Um, a fun fact, you know who narrated uh, this cartoon? I forget the name, but yes, I yes, give me the name. <laughs> Sterling Holloway. Thank you. There uh, it is, Sterling Holloway. Ka the Snake, Winnie the Pooh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Stork, uh, Disney Legend. Yes. Uh, and what I thought was really cool about this cartoon was that as he's sailing up the coast of South America, it it highlights little things like uh, 
certain areas of that. So like you, it brings up the Chilean coast. It brings up uh, some of the other towns and cities that you can see along the coast. And so I thought it was a really cool way to be like, here's some cool little spots that are uh, up and down the West coast of South America before he finally arrives uh, uh, at his tropical destination. Mm -hmm. Uh, One one cool thing that I want to point out though, is that um, South America or not South, sorry. Uh, the South Pole is not the only place with penguins. So there are. That's true. Yeah. So there are, of course, penguins spread out all across South America. I actually got to see penguins in Argentina. Uh, cool. So I traveled to Argentina, fuck, like 15 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, uh, reached out and contacted my mother. Uh he had separated from my mom's family during the time of the Chilean civil war. And so they lost contact. They all assumed he had, he was dead. And then suddenly out of the blue, he's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm alive and living in Argentina. And so we, we as a family fly down to South, to South America, to Argentina to visit him and the family staying with. Yeah. And so we kind of, we take a trip and we head up to the coast of Argentina and there, there's like a park and you can go and see penguins uh, just kind of hanging out and like living in this like national park kind of thing, so that was very very cool to see. That is super cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: there are also African penguins. Oh, yes, in South Africa, right? I'm not totally positive, honestly. I only know because that's the kind that are at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I mean, thought like, you might want to know. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. As I think, just as long as they're south enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so after Pablo finally arrives at his like little destination, at his little tropical getaway, uh, then it gives us like a cool little run through of some of the other birds of paradise that live in South America, which I thought was a, which I thought was actually uh, also really cool to see. But again, yeah. kind of felt a little like, oh, like, am I just kind of now watching like a weird like National Geographic cartoon? Like, this is just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then from there, we go to Uruguay, which is... Uh, which gives us the little cartoon of the little gauchito. Uh, wait a second. Um, I, in my like very white, Americanized, Canadianized way, have always heard Uruguay. How do you pronounce it? Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So Uruguay is not Uruguay. wrong. It's just that's the Anglo pronunciation of it. It's not as nice. It's Uruguay. <laughs> yes. So we so we head over to Uruguay to learn about the little gauchito. Now, my one my this is probably like my one issue with this movie is mm-hmm. that uh, it brings in it. We have Fred Shields coming back, who is the one yeah. who narrated the Lake Titicaca sequence in Saludos Amigos. Now, he is the one who narrates the little gauchito sequence and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically refers to the little gauchito as himself. So he's it's almost as if he's speaking in the first person. Right. And so it kind weird. of it, it's weird because and it bugs me a little bit because he's so obviously an American voice actor. Yeah. That's like that's that's it is a little offensive, but it's also that's a little off putting. Like regardless. Yeah, like I I wouldn't say it's necessarily like offensive. I would I just should... it's just it, it it's weird to my ears. It is, it, yeah. It's, it's, offens- it's offensive ears. to my ears, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice because they did cast a ton of people of color in this movie. Yeah, like... and a lot of Latin speakers. And I'm yeah, like, and so I'm like, why didn't you, choice. like, why didn't you just get a Spanish speaker to be this, to be, to be the narrator <laughs> for this sequence? Because then, at the very least, like, in some of the things that he was saying, whenever he was like trying to pronounce certain things in Spanish, it was definitely like, oh, that's wrong because that's just not how you pronounce that. Or it was most definitely with such a harsh uh, Anglo accent, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so it kind of pulled me out of it a couple times. Um, but the cartoon itself is very, very cute. The cartoon itself is very fun. So. Yeah. Oh, I love the little donkey. I love that his name is Burrito. 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 Yeah. Burrito. I think that's so funny and cute yeah. and clever. I well, because uh, well, because burro is Spanish for donkey, and so he's a little yeah. he's a little donkey. So he's uh, a little donkey named Burrito. Well, yeah, because in in Spanish, so cute. in Spanish, that's a very common uh, that's a very common suffix that you would put at the end of a word to kind of indicate that it's a smaller version of it. So, I'm just so happy to know that now. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like, uh, 
a small donkey would be like a burrito or like for burrito. me for me when uh when i whenever i was when i was younger my 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 parents would refer to me as anorcito which is like a smaller version of me so Cute. yeah yeah so you would just kind of throw ito at the end of things as as like a suffix to indicate that it is a small version of it awesome yeah so it was just very just cute really- Seeing a little donkey Pegasus, it <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> it was very fun. It was very fun. Oh, I re- let's I, talk. Yeah. I re- oh, I just really enjoyed that little cartoon. Like, it's very silly. And, like, it, I, I, I eventually got past the whole, like, this is obviously an American narrating this thing. I'm yeah. enjoying the cartoon for what it is, which is a very silly cartoon about, uh, about a gauchito who wants to race. And I thought it was yeah. just adorable. So Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. All right. Then things get like experimental. Then things get cool. And I'm into it. Then things it. get cool. Bahia. Bahia. Uh, oh. Yes. I am obsessed with every moment of this sequence. It is, I want my whole house to be painted like every background in this. It's, it is pink and it is wonderful. And Carmen Miranda's sister is there. Yep. And I am obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it, a, I, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very good. Uh, so mm-hmm. we have Jose Carioca coming back. Uh, Jose Carioca! He's my uh, favorite guy. He's pretty great. Uh, again, I love him. Uh, once again, voiced by uh, Jose Oliveira. Uh, and uh, yeah, reprises his, his role as Jose and definitely speaks a lot more Portuguese in this film, which I noticed. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Which I really appreciated. Uh, yeah, and so in there we get uh, we get this beautiful the beautiful uh, Bahia sequence. Uh, the song beautiful. itself, um, where is it? So the song itself, uh, Bahia, mm-hmm. is based on a medley of a Brazilian song. I'm gonna try and see if I can do this. I'm not very good with Portuguese, uh, even though Portuguese and Spanish are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's uh, na na Bahia do Sapetero, Sapetero, mm-hmm. Sa- I think. I think so, uh, which was written by Ari Barroso, uh, first released in 1938. So I think it can be considered kind of like a, um, almost like a Brazilian folk song. Uh, and uh, the English lyrics, which were uh, put on the actual album, were written by Ray Gilbert. Oh. Yeah. So there is an English version of it, of course. Uh, but the this version is, uh, that is, is based on uh, this Brazilian folk song. So, yeah. Cool. And so he just basically has like this big love song to this area of Bahia. I think Bahia, excuse me, is meant to be the province, I think it was. I think it's like well, a provincial area. They misspelled it. So, uh what I looked it up Brazilian states. It's, um, it's the Brazilian, Brazilian state, state, yeah. But it's not spelt like it is in the film, mm-hmm. and I don't know why or if it had a change. I don't know that. But uh, the Brazilian state of Bahia is spelt B-A-H-I-A as opposed to B-A-I-A in the actual movie. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, because, yeah. and I'm, and I'm But I'm wondering whether or not that is the Portuguese spelling or whether or not, yeah, because, like, sometimes that can happen. Like, sometimes certain things can be spelt differently in one language than in, oh, in like, totally. the native language. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I just l- saw a, a little fact about that uh, yeah. on when I was researching the movie. So, yeah. mm. uh, but in and also in the sequence, as you said, we have Aurora Miranda, who is Carmen Miranda, the infamous dancer's uh, sister. Yeah, uh, who is also a big uh, Brazilian uh, star. Star. Yeah, she's a singer and actress. Uh, is from I think she's from Rio. Rio, yeah. Yeah, she's from Rio de Janeiro, which is, I believe, in the province of Bahia. Or in state of Bahia, not province, state of Bahia. I don't uh, know. It, but I can look a, it up. Uh, in Brazil, they use the term state as opposed to province. I'm I'm just more accustomed to using the term province because I hear it more. I hear it most often as opposed mm-hmm. to state. You are correct about is, it being uh, in Bahia state, though. Yes. Good for you. Uh, and yeah, and so... That was really nice to have someone who is so famous from Brazil to be uh, an important character in that. And I thought uh, that was so neat. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And like, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger because, of course, I didn't understand the reference. But now that we're older yeah. and looking into it, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and then she and then she sings this uh, this other, I think, is like a Brazilian uh, folk song. Uh, Oshkindin Yaya, I think is what it is. 
Uh, uh, yeah. Oshkindin de Yaya, which is what it is. Uh, and this song is basically, I think, like, a, it was also written by Ari uh, Barroso. Uh, and I think this song is kind of about food, mm-hmm. I believe, which I think is okay. really cool. Uh, a, quindim, cool. a quindim is a Brazilian baked dessert, mm-hmm. which is what, so when she comes in, you see her uh, holding this, like, tray on her head, and she's got all these, like, pastries on her on, on the tray. That's what mm-hmm. that's what those are. They're quindims. And uh yeah, so they're they contain sugar, egg yolk, ground coconut. So I think it's just uh I think what it is she is a uh um she's a kingdom seller, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kingdim. cool. Loved her outfit, loved her dancing, loved her charisma, could watch her all day. Um, but here is like a good time for me to be like so I'm watching this, yeah. and I, it, it's another one that has the there are outdated cultural depictions uh, Disney notice uh-huh. in front of it on Disney Plus, and I'm watching it, and I'm wondering how you feel about that because my main thing about this is like none of these men understand consent, but the men are birds, and it's mostly <laughs> Donald. That's oh, we'll get <laughs> but, to we'll get to Donald once we get to the Mexico segment because I have opinions. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm just like, how do you feel about how? these things are depicted because to me mostly it seems very beautiful and and very positive and i see that the you know they've either misspelled this or i just don't have enough information and i know that white people produce this movie and i but uh, like are you talking like specifically in reference to uh the warning about it oh oh i think it's just them covering their asses more (laughs) than anything else (laughs) okay because like yeah because like i mean like if if we're talking specifically with of this of this sequence in which Aurora is singing the song, mm-hmm. yeah, there are moments in it in which you have like the men kind of pining for her. But I think part of that is, uh, I think it's like part of the dance. I'm not gonna say it's part of the culture uh, because I think uh, this concept of uh, this machismo idea is fairly prevalent in Latin culture. Uh, and I think that just in and of itself is kind of a thing and it's a stereotype. It's a bit of a stereotype. Yeah. But I also, but it's also not, um, because like, I know like Latin men definitely have this idea of like, of sex and sexuality and stuff like that. And sometimes it can be good. Sometimes it can be bad. And I just, but I just think that's just masculinity as a whole. Like you can, you can have, you can have, uh, toxic masculinity you can have non-toxic masculinity now in this particular uh example in the within the sequence i think this is just kind of them working with the dance because you have certain dances you 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 have that right you have that play of uh that play of of power dynamic right and i think that's an example of this and i think uh yeah and then like they have it has the moment where like these two the these two male figures are like transformed into uh roosters and i think that's supposed to be a a symbolic uh or a symbol of them fighting each other for uh for the attention of the woman and all this other stuff because the other thing to remember is that within latin culture yes you have this concept of machismo and this concept of you know what it is to be a manly man and you know be you know virile and sexual and all this other stuff Uh, latin lover yeah but then on the uh, on the other hand you also have uh Latin women are also known for being these very strong, uh, very strong-willed women. Mm-hmm. So, like, generally, like in like in Latin culture, women will—they're not just going to roll over for you. Like, they—they're—they're yeah. like, fairly—they do—they do suffer a little bit from the, the idea of patriarchy, yes, but they won't go down fighting. Like, Latin women are very very strong like it's and and generally older women within latin culture are also very heavily revered as well like you got your moms and your and your grandmothers and and your aunts and uh and like the women of of the culture are very well respected right and like yeah and like just because like the woman is generally the one at home doesn't mean that she's not going to be doesn't mean she's going to just not take shit yeah right and so i think that's and i think that's something to also remember too because in the sequence, you see her, you see Aurora, you know, yeah, she has all these men pining for her. But then at the same time, she's still very much like, I see what y'all are doing. And like, I'm still kind yeah. of going to be myself. Yeah, she's in control. She's in control yeah. of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. She's, it's never, so, it's never, 
obvious that she's giving that control or that she's losing that control, right? Totally. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, totally. I mean, honestly, I, I totally agree with you. Watching this, it was like all these women rock. I love all of them. And I was very happy for Donald to get his comeuppance. And, like, I think, you know, you, sh- you should have a-, a Pepe Le Pew-like character in cartoons anymore. But, mm. like, meh. It's uh, – at the time, I I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this in the same way I, I enjoyed um, Saludos Amigos. Yeah. And more than I enjoyed Dumbo, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, a- and then after – so after Bahia, we come back. And then, they, and then Donald uh, – after – him and Jose kind of grow back to normal size, which is just a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> like they just have like magic fingers to like reinflate themselves. It's very fun. Um, yeah. Then we have Mexico. Panchito. And we have Mexico in the introduction to Panchito Pistoles. Uh, <laughs> and it's great and it's silly and it's ridiculous. And so my thing about Panchito is I love him. I love his character. He's very, very silly. Um, He's a cutie. And like, re- like really, yeah, like the whole gun thing was only really in this movie because later in later depictions of Three Caballeros, he's he doesn't use guns. In fact, in we we mentioned it before in in a previous episode, but like he when they have the Three Caballeros in the Ducktales episode, mm-hmm. when they have them come back, uh, he has his holsters, but he uses his holsters for his cell phones. <laughs> Which I thought was very, very fun. I was like, oh, awesome. that's very silly. Yeah. And He's so, yeah. And, uh, Love it. and in terms of like the characterisms and how Panchito is portrayed, uh, I see him as someone who's very excited. He's fun loving. He's excitable. He, you know, he's positive. He's positive. He wants to have a good time. He loves to party. And you know what? If you've ever hung out with a bunch of Mexicans, like I, one thing I can tell you is Mexicans love to party and the, we, we love to have fun. Right. And so, yeah. And like, you know, he's doing he's fucking there. He's doing he's doing his gritos. He's fucking screaming and everything, which is a thing that we do, especially, you know, uh, you know, uh, when we're in good spirits and stuff like that. Like if you're at a celebration, that's a thing that we do. Uh, yeah. And so like. uh so when we come into it, uh, the thing that I really, really liked is that this title song, so the song itself, the Three Caballeros title song, is based yeah. is based on an actual uh, Mexican folk song called... Oh, really? Yeah. So it's called... So the song itself is called Ay Jalisco No Terrajes, uh, which is a song basically about the province of Jalisco in Mexico, which is on cool. the uh, west coast uh Port, uh, Puerto Vallarta is kind of one of the main cities in the province of Jalisco. That's um, Jalisco is also the main province of tequila production. Uh, and it's supposed to be like this love song between the province of Jalisco and this, this city in Mexico called Guadalajara. So it's mm-hmm. kind of that. Uh, and yeah, and so like this song, there are so many versions of this song. Ay uh, Jalisco no terrajes. Uh, it's uh, done kind of a Mexican ranchera style. Uh, it's very, very common with mariachi uh, and, uh, yeah, so, like, you have versions of it done by, like, Julio Iglesias, which I think most uh, English speakers will kind of re- recognize because he's the father of Enrique Iglesias. Uh, and this famous singer named Vicente Fernandez, who is uh, kind of like this, he's like a Mexican mariachi god. Like, the guy is huge uh, in terms of uh, the mariachi style of music. Uh, and so for them to take that song and then I think I believe Ray Gilbert wrote the English the the, the English lyrics that we hear uh, he wrote uh, uh, the actual words of the three caballeros song so for them to use that that uh, that folk song I think was very very cool and I thought that was a really really good idea I really really enjoyed it uh, and agree. yeah uh, and so Walt actually called Manuel uh, Manuel Esperon who is uh, the guy who composed that song, Ay Jalisco No Terrajes, and uh, asked him to participate in the movie. So, oh. yeah, so this this aspect, uh, or this the Mexico segment of this movie had real Mexican 
uh, direct influence and like direct people like actually like working in it. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then of yeah. course, uh, uh, Panchito is uh, voiced by Joaquin Garay, uh, who is a Mexican American actor and singer. Uh, so yeah. So you have people of that culture and of that background being these characters, which I really, which I personally really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, and I just really love that. Gorgeous. Song. Yeah, yeah. I like it too. It's awesome. It's very it's fun. Awesome. It's very cute. Um, and then at like, at the end, he actually jumps into the, the chorus of I Jalisco no te rajes. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you can, you can actually hear a little bit of that song and then well, now I'm going to watch yeah. it again. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And so then from there, uh, Panchito kind of talks about the, some of the different traditions. Like he talks about the posadas, uh, which is uh, specifically a Christmas tradition. Um, now he says that the the piñata is specific to the posadas. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true because p- the piñatas are basically just meant to be party things, right? Yeah. And uh, so, like, I've done them at birthdays. Like, they're very, they're very, very commonly done at birthdays because it's just a fun thing for kids to do. Uh, and yeah, and so, like, the way that he explains the posadas, I thought was really, really cool too. Because I, while it's true and accurate, I think it is also dependent on where you are. Or mm-hmm. perhaps the tradition itself has just changed in the last like sixty years, because when I because when I was in Mexico, I was in Mexico, like when was this? This was 10, 12 years ago, something like that. Uh, I was in Mexico with my family to celebrate Christmas, and we did something similar to this. So what we did is we all got together at one at one of our family members' house, and we had like this. Uh, kind of like a doll that represented Jesus. And the idea was that we were to come up to the house and the family was meant to welcome Jesus into their home to be born. Because of course the whole story is like, Oh, they Mary and Joseph could never find place the inn, And so, and all that stuff. Right. They need a spot. Yeah. And so the idea is that they allow Jesus to be born in the home. And then there's a big meal and a big celebration. So that's how we celebrated cool. it in Veracruz, which is where uh, my family is uh, is from. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know if this spe- the specific explanation that Panchito gives us is I don't know if it's perhaps how it was back then, back in the uh, early 20th century, or perhaps it is dependent on where you go, because maybe something like this is like the way with all the children meeting at the church and going door to door. Maybe that is something that's specific to more small towns. Because it's easier to do that way, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that might that makes sense to me. So yeah, so he goes on to talk about like the posadas and all this other stuff, and uh, the song, and then he sings a song about Mexico itself, which I really, mm-hmm. which you know, I lovely, which I really liked, and I thought was very nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sung by uh, Carlos Ramirez, who is a uh, who, weirdly enough, is a Colombian. Oh. Uh, he's from Colombia, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but I think he just mm-hmm. happened to be uh, working in Hollywood at the time. Uh, yeah. And so I think they were just like, hey, you're a Spanish speaker. Sing the yeah. song. And I think it was just one you're... of those. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously now that's not quite how you do it. Well, I mean, like, I'm not mad about it only because at least they have a native Spanish speaker. Exactly. Right. So I'm like, OK, yeah. well, and like if he was working, if he was someone that they could hire at the time you know, mm-hmm. local to come in and be like, we need you to sing the song for us. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Like you're, you know, you're basically just contracting, uh, a, um, uh, an artist to do the thing that they're getting paid to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I can respect that part of it. Um, yeah. And then he kind of takes them on like this little magic, almost a magic carpet ride, except it's not a carpet. It's a setup, which I thought was very funny because like, yeah. if you're going to have anything is kind of like the equivalent. You have, uh, Sarape. Um, yeah. And then uh, taking them to various areas of the uh, various areas of Mexico. Now, what I loved was I loved that he talks about the origin of the Mexican flag because the origins of the Mexican flag is very, very cool, which which I like because it is it is pre-colonial because the story of the Mexican flag is, as he described, like it's to represent uh the kind of the 
the earliest settlements of the indigenous Mexicans. Right. And so like they, they prayed to the, they prayed to the gods for a sign and they found that sign being an Eagle standing on a cactus in the middle of a lake eating a snake. And yeah. And so they were like, you know what? That's where we need to build our city. So they built a city and uh, it was one of the first Aztec cities. It was kind of like the main, uh, the main Aztec city. Uh, and then post-colonial or after the Spanish came in, of course, uh, they built Mexico City on top of it. So Mexico City sits on top of this giant Aztec city. And you can actually go underneath and go and see it, which I think is really cool. So yeah. so I, super cool. Yeah. So I, I I really like that they included that. Uh, Me too. Because it's just, I, I think it's just a really, really cool story. I really, really like that. Uh, and then from there, they go to uh, Veracruz, which is where my family is from. Uh, and they see some of the the dances there. They dance the Lilongo, which is another Mexican folk song again, which I thought was which I thought was really great, really really great. Uh, Combines Spanish, indigenous, and African musical elements. Uh, it was really really cool. Yeah, there's like a whole. They have like the whole dance from it, and uh, I did think it, I knowing being as. Uh, as old as I am now, I definitely clocked it with like Donald coming in trying to dance it, and then it's like, uh, and then <laughs> he was like, like, "Oh, good try." <laughs> yeah, but then, but then him coming in and them totally changing the dance to, I think it was, what was it? It's uh, it's some American dance. I can't remember. Oh, um, is it the um. Charles? It's not the Charleston. I don't remember. But it's like it's like one of those. Uh, it's like one of those like American dances, but yeah, it's just like oh, okay, well we'll 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 let we'll let the white guy join for a minute and let him dance his dance, <laughs> and then and then they go back to dancing the lelongo, uh, and yeah, but like this whole Mexico segment, and then afterwards they go to Acapulco, and then this is where things get a little weird because Donald is really really weird, and is like just like wanting all of all of the women, and is like, calm down, dude. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, like, this is probably the biggest thing. The biggest problem I have with this movie was just how Donald was very like, I must have all the women. Give me all the ladies. And I'm like, Donald, Uh, calm down. I don't know. I don't know if Daisy's a thing yet, but even then. Daisy was invented in 1940. Oh, well, then there you go. But like, <laughs> but I was, it was more just like, I'm like, Donald, dude, like, I get it. Get it together. Like, I get it. You're right. Latin women are beautiful. I agree. But calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just, it was just very strange. But again, it was just very cool kind of seeing all these women just like taunting him and playing with him being like, you know, yeah, obviously showing that they're not, they don't want any of his shit, but they're just kind of like letting him do his thing just to, I don't know let him play i guess i don't know it was just it was just interesting uh yeah and like some of the other things that they uh like this this segment was just so full of culture it was so full of culture and it made me smile and it makes me very very happy you have all these beautiful dances and all this beautiful music uh uh and then afterward after after the acapulco segment segment he goes into like this weird feverish dream because i think he's just way too horny uh, and then he like he you see the singer uh dora uh dora luz um who is a radio and screen star from mexico and she's singing a song she's singing the song you belong to my heart and it's this beautiful beautiful love song uh and then like it's just donald again just just fucking losing it and is just like getting really i don't know if he's like drunk or high or whatever and he's just like yeah and uh it's just like different scene after scene after scene of like different dances and all this other stuff. They get to, uh, they go, they get to a segment of, uh, where it's like cacti that are dancing and like these dancing cactuses. And, uh, the song that they're dancing to is Jesusita and Chihuahua, which is a trademark song from the Mexican revolution. When Mexico was pining for independence from, from Spain. And so I thought it was really cool for them to include that particular song. 
Uh, I agree. Yeah. Just the music in this overall is just freaking cool. Yeah. I, I was I was loving it. Like mm-hmm. it was it was great. And like aside from this particular segment where in which Donald goes fucking nuts, I was like, this this movie is really, really beautiful and I love it and it's great. And like the fact that they included so many people of color in this film. Like this film is almost exclusively people of color. Mm-hmm. And almost exclusively Latin people. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool watching it. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, if you want to, if you want to say, you could probably say that Donald is the only quote unquote white character, as, not because he's a white duck, but because he's American. Yeah. Right. And so I think he's the only real white character, quote unquote, in this film. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that, too. like, People- also, Fred Shields, kind of. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> I guess, yeah, too. But I think he may have been, like, on, like, the, the Disney payroll or something. And so they're like, Fred, come yeah. back. Do this one, too. You did the one before. You can do this one. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think just – I just really appreciated how much uh, – how much influence uh, Latin culture had – behind the scenes of this movie with the music with the voices with the singing uh you know all of that and i just really really appreciate that from this film and from the studio for that i really do yeah 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 and i think yeah i think that's kind of it really is this just a lot of yeah because yeah, like ultimately the, the the last like 10 20 minutes is just weird bonkers nonsense. It's a party. It's it just is a an party. awesome party. Yeah. It is stunning and beautiful and highly recommended. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great great movie. I really love it. And honestly, I could listen to the to that fucking song the Three Caballeros just all the time. Absolutely. I love it. If you've got Disney Plus, um I really believe that you will come out of this movie feeling really positive and awesome and um, there mm-hmm. are things to critique and stuff but I don't think it takes away from the fact that this movie is very culturally important and you should watch it I agree I don't think it takes anything away from it at all I mean like I think I don't know just I I really really like that if anything it really just made me miss Mexico yeah I was just like maybe I... want to go to Mexico <laughs> and that's important yeah it's just like I just really I miss my family I miss my family down there and I miss you know a lot of the culture and celebrating and the food. Fuck me, the food. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Absolutely. God, the food is amazing. Anyway, but yeah, so I, I recommend it. And like, for me as, you know, as a person with this particular background, this Latin background, I give it my stamp of approval and I enjoy it and it's silly and it's great. And I love it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Oh. And I'm glad. Thank you, Anwar. You're welcome. And I'm. Oh, sorry. What were you glad about? Oh, I'm. I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. I loved it. Yeah. This and Saludos Amigos, just awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. I, I honestly, I had never seen the wartime movies. I just didn't have access to them, and I wasn't sure what to expect. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've been enthralled. Oh yeah, the wartime movies are very, very fun. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're strange in that they feel different than a lot of the other films of course Mm -hmm. um but there's still something very very cute about them Mm -hmm. and i think that we i agree yeah well next one that we have next week is probably going to be i mean probably going to be the weirdest one of it well i don't even know but is make mine music um is make mine music definitely on disney plus i that i don't actually know i mean i would imagine so i don't see why it wouldn't be i feel like i saw somewhere it wasn't anyway find out with us next week if it is or isn't if it isn't (laughs) then i'll just have to find it because we'll see if we can find it yeah because that'll because then i'll just sit here and be like i can't it'll just feel weird if i don't complete it oh yeah no of course (laughs) i agree we just might be on an adventure a safari trying to find it um Oh, yeah. Uh, Make Mine Music is not on Disney Plus yet, but Mm. uh, we're going to try and find it. Yes, we will find it and we will watch it and it will be great. And then we'll tell you why it's not on Disney Plus. There's got to be. a. I mean, like, why wouldn't it be? It says um, due to the mature contents in two segments, but I don't don't have any context for that because I've never seen it. Well, yeah, like that's just no context. (laughs) Let's find out. 
Alrighty then. Um, All right, that's okay. exciting. On that cliffhanger. Yes. So next week is uh, is hopefully going to be make mine music. I'm hoping. So <laughs> I guess we'll find it. Yeah. You can probably we can probably like stream it somewhere illegally. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then it will also be uh, the next uh, of the Disney propaganda films. Yes, Education for Death: The Making of a Nazi. That's the next one. Wow. Well. Yup. Sounds cheerful. Next week's going to be insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. This well, is going to be fun. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. So, All right. yeah, if you would like to, uh, if you'd like to watch along with us, go ahead and look that up and then we'll see how that goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So until then, until next time, thank you all for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can catch us on the various social sites, of course, uh, at cast underscore Diz on both Twitter and Instagram. And then of course, uh, facebook.com slash discast. Follow us, uh, give us likes, uh, rate us and leave comments and reviews and all that jazz. Because when you do that, it makes us happy. And <laughs> me too. <laughs> and it makes things, it makes Can it confirm. Easy. Yes. And it makes it easier for people to find us, which is of course what we want because we want to include more people in the amazing discussions of these great films. Mm-hmm. So, With that, we say goodbye and farewell, and we'll see y'all next week. Ciao. Bye. Bye.